When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online to agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast, Boots on the Ground, number, pretty sure this is number eight. I could be wrong on that one, but I've got Matt Rash here with me from AgriVisions. How you doing, Matt? Good. How you been, Casey? I mean, not too bad, buddy. I've been been kind of feeling my way through a few things, trying to figure out what's going on, and uh, I figured I'd better call in an expert and see if he can point me <laughs> in the right direction. Matt. Matt is with uh, AgriVision out of uh, basically where, where you're at now. You guys have expanded quite a bit. So where, where are you covering now? Yeah, if you look at Iowa, if you look at uh, basically I-80 and then uh, uh, east and west, and then I-35 north and south, we're that southwest quadrant. Mm-hmm. And then we also got a cluster of stores, half dozen stores up in northwest Iowa um, that go up to Minnesota border and then border Nebraska on the west and then uh, South Dakota up in the clear in the northwest corner. Right on. Okay. So we've had a... At least out in my neck of the woods, we've had a pretty winter this year. It's the first year in a while we've had winter. Um, yep. And we've got a lot of moisture that we needed quite a bit of. And we've gotten a lot of snowpack and those kind of things. And it's all melted off now here. We've been fairly warm here last February, first part of March. Um, but we've gotten gotten a fair fair amount of, of moisture. We're waiting to see what comes here this spring. I guess, Matt, looking at your area, 
what's the situation look like there? What's, you know, moisture situation look like? How's your winter been? All that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. Good question. You know, we, um, we kind of went into the fall last year, late to late summer was dry and went into definitely with a deficit going into winter, but we've had kind of the same thing as far as snowfall actually got some good rains over the, the winter as well. It's shored some things up. So I think going into spring, pretty optimistic that uh, we'll have some good soil moisture and planting into good moisture that way and uh, get us off to a good start coming up uh, here in a month or so. Yeah, it's not too far away. The, no. uh, the, old, the old corn planters will be out and running like crazy. So I guess, um, so let's talk about this a little bit. So looking at where we're at on uh, as far as input costs, I've been here, you know, a lot of folks have been talking input costs have come way down from what they were this time last year. Yep. Um, we've seen uh, the price of corn and soybeans. We've seen some fluctuations kind of bounce around based around bunch of different geopolitical things that are going on in the world right now but yeah absolutely right now we still got a pretty good price on on corn and soybeans and and wheat and everything else that's out there cattle prices are good you know hog prices seem to be somewhat stable they seem to get kicked around a little bit from time to time but <laughs> yeah they're still they're still doing all right what's the temperature right now of the customers that you're talking to in your area i mean you feel some positivity more than you saw maybe this time last year I'd say it's similar. Um, maybe it's backed off just a little bit, but I would still say it's it's pretty similar. You know, as far as yields were down a little bit, um, but we also had where basis was very strong at the end of last fall or beginning of fall, I should say that you know we had some ethanol plants in some of our areas bidding eight dollar corn. Yeah, so yeah. we're taking it straight out of the field, twenty percent moisture, no drying costs, and getting a little over eight dollars. So you know your cost per uh, or revenue per acre was over $2,000 in some points. So, um, and then a lot of those guys, obviously a lot of times deferred that grain. So as they made year end purchases, some of that grain got deferred to 23. So there's, we feel like there's still probably going to be some tax implications coming up just because of deferring grain again, uh, from 23 or yep. from 22 into 23. Yep. yep. Now I think we're going to see a similar situation too. We've had, we don't have a whole lot of ethanol plants out in my neck of the woods, but with the ones that were there, they were, doing a lot of stuff with um similar things you know we had guys contracting yeah. 758 corn when the board was six bucks you know what i mean so right. it's a pretty good pretty good jump for them and you know obviously guys took took advantage of that yeah when you're looking at the uh let's start start looking at some equipment here so when you're looking at equipment in the marketplace um I mean, the first thing every equipment guy wants to talk about is combines because, oh my God, combines are combines, right? But, and I'm, I'm no different when it comes to stock yep. equipment. I always, first thing I want to talk about is combines. So I guess looking at use combine marketplace. So I, I did some research the other day and I was kind of going a few, going around doing a few, looking at a few things. And I just was curious to see what was on the marketplace. And, and we hear about all those, you know, the half a million dollar this and the $450,000 that. And I'm like, how many of those can really be out there? Well, yeah. There were there's a little about uh, like twelve hundred combines out there that were yeah. hundred thousand dollars. And now again, it, don't get me wrong. There's some there's some really big combines out there. Whether you're looking at the X nine or you're looking at some of the the class nine and class ten uh, Lexions and some of the big yeah. big stuff that's out there that were seven hundred eight hundred thousand dollars machines. But you start looking at the the class eight, you know, class seven combines, and there's there's a lot of machines out there that are that are still five hundred thousand dollar machines. Um, I guess looking at that that end of that into your little crystal ball, Matt. I look into mine and I start kind of. I don't. I don't want to say that I'm scared by any means because I'm not. That's not yeah. the right way to put it. But there is some concern out there when you start looking at a five hundred thousand dollars used machine and you start looking at the new one though, and the new ones are 
right plus you know yeah it all kind of falls in line with historic you know you know you look at your percentages and those kind of things all that stuff kind of falls into place what's your what's your thought on that my my thought is i got some caution out there i'm not i'm not ready to say i'm scared yet because that's not not necessarily the truth but i i do feel some some pressure in the market i guess i didn't feel this time last year yeah absolutely i'd say we've got the uh we got the white flag in the in the washing machine, getting it all cleaned up to wave here in, <laughs> in right. ninety days or so. Right. But the yeah. uh, but not not quite yet. Just to your point, you know, I think everybody you know kind of is looking at that, especially the late model. You know, twenty one, twenty two, uh, just like we were talking about there. You know, the half million dollar machine; those are starting to stack up. And as we were talking about earlier, we got some extra allocation that probably weren't planning on there last year from the supplier, and most of us took advantage of that to. Yeah. Uh, of the of the demand that was out there and so that has created more use i think the other portion of it is that the um we had so many late deliveries you see a lot of 22s out there that have 50 hours on them you know or something like that where we normally would have a chance to sell those trades in the selling season and harvest that we didn't get to because we had to keep them as loaners so uh it depends on you know how many you sell new in a year but that you had to keep back but i know we definitely had to keep some back just to satisfy customers that didn't get their new ones that wouldn't yep. have, wouldn't have probably been here at this time um now so yeah definitely a definitely a caution but as you look down through the line um once you get past that you know one two-year-old combine our our mix is yeah. in, in great shape and actually probably low uh, to yeah. be honest with you yep. uh, on that behind the behind the 21s and 22s so if we can get work through those um throughout the summer here i think i think we'll all be in pretty good shape yeah, I think that's that's what like, you made a very key point there. I think that's important for everyone listening to this to to, to remember that not all these five hundred thousand dollar machines that we're talking about have five hundred hours on them, right? Correct. Yeah, you know, like like you said, they're fifty hours, hundred hours. I mean, it's stuff that you would expect to see for that price. You know? Yeah. How we have machines that don't even have like twenty five hours on them. Yeah, because we got them in so late. But if you're looking at at that spectrum. There's a reason why there's that many there because I mean there is a, a huge population of machines out there that have less than 100 hours on. And that, that's yeah, correct. So yeah. The other the other point you made there, which I think is worth mentioning, when I look at this kind of marketplace and how it washes out, you go back go back in time to like 2012 here, and we're gonna we're gonna yeah. go back here and take a look yeah. at. I remember when I when I started working in this business, you know, in, in 2009, you know, 2006 in that time frame, there was just a bunch of 9770s that were that's all we had to sell 9770s and like a 9610 on the other side of that right. nothing yep. in <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to say it's like that now because that's not necessarily true but when you're looking at where we're at we're, we're missing a big chunk in that like that 500 uh, hour range yeah absolutely that 750 hour range uh, you know 500 to 1000 hour combine we don't really have the market population for those now I think the biggest reason for that is, is because we never really had the opportunity to get those machines because right. from 2019 through now, I mean, depending on what you had, when you ordered, what you're supposed to get, when you're supposed to get it and all those kind of things, you might've had a 350 to 400 hour machine that's supposed to show up, but now it's showing up <laughs> with two seasons more on it. And right. Absolutely. Yeah, or more hours on that. That's going to be a fun experiment to watch, take out, take and go, because I've talked about, you know, some of these lost years between 21 and, and 23 about there's going to be a hole there just because, you know, yeah. there weren't that many produced and the the way people trade and things are, are starting to change and morph that there may not be that, that, 
lump of machines there that we need to see happen. I guess when you're looking at that, are you seeing that similar pattern develop where you're having more? Because it feels like everything that we're getting traded in right now has got 1,500 hours on when you're talking about combines or 1,000 yeah. hours or 1,200 hours or something like that. Yeah. Do you see that machine come in that's got 750 or 500? Yeah, I mean, and we're seeing it in all, in all different segments, to be honest yep. with you. I mean, tractors yep. are the same way, you know, if we could, <laughs> if yep. we could get a uh, just loads of tractors that are in that two hundred dollars to $300,000 price range, I mean, they, those sure. just fly off the shelf, but trying to get those out of guys' hands, we either have a $450,000 200-hour tractor or sure. we got a $100,000 6,000-hour tractor, hardly anything in between, and trying to get those pride out of guy's hand so to speak has, has been very tough so um they're kind of in a position where god ah, that tractor's good and i don't want to trade it or we can't give them enough uh, to get it out of their hands even if we are giving them a premium for it so i i see it in kind of several different segments of what you're talking about there of the of the big gaps that we're seeing those tractors especially that's a good point there i mean when you look at tractors I man i'll tell you what what they're trading with the, what they have again it's the holes in the washout cycle you know yeah you're you've gone from a hundred thousand dollar, two hundred thousand dollars something, and your next choice is four hundred fifty thousand bucks. Right? Yeah. I mean, so you're missing that step in between that that would be that that actual stair step. Yeah. And the problem with that, when the guy does trade that in, what he's trading in, most people are trading that in too. So now you kind of have a a little bit of a snowball going on on the Absolutely. back side of the washout cycle that typically we see on the front side of the washout cycle. So it's just yep. a, it's a very it's a complicated dance, I guess, that we're trying to. Pursue. It is. Yeah. And then, like you said, you know, as far as the washout cycle and trying to, you know, you can get down to that bottom tier that moves out quickly. But how do you find that middle person to mm -hmm. get to that one to then know that the yeah. rest of the washout cycle is an easy, easy mix? Yep. And I think the, the, the fun game that we're going to be playing here over the next couple of years is that, especially when it comes to used equipment, um, the one thing a, a very um, smart guy told me one time is that the great thing about the used buyer is that they don't have to buy. Um, yeah. The, the new guy that's on a roll cycle that's doing it every year, not that they have to buy, but it's very advantageous for them to keep doing what they're doing, right? Absolutely. And, and so the, the used guy can come in and stick his toe in the, in the deep end of the pool and decide if the water's just right or too cold mm -hmm. or whatever. Yep. You know? And before they jump yep. in and take that plunge and, I, I'm looking at the marketplace right now, kind of wondering, you know, how, how how long does, you know, I used to look at combines and say about every seven to nine months, you know, that's kind of was your, your whole time for a combine looking at a tractor about every two to three months. Now, in these unordinary times that we're in right now, tractors, if you, you know, I've had conversations with guys that were panicking about the tractors they had, but they'd, instead of selling them in two hours, it took them, you know, two weeks. So they were right, yeah. up there for a minute. <laughs> but when you're looking at the overarching kind of spectrum of how this whole thing works out, you know, if you have a tractor every two, three months, you're selling a tractor, those kind of things, you're really working through that. I'm kind of curious to see what it looks like when our washout, you know, our turn doesn't necessarily slow down to be like, it's a stagnant turn. It's just the the times between, washout cycle iterations are just going to get longer yeah that look like and and what that thing feels like you are you feeling something similar to that or have you given that any thought 
Yeah, I know. You know. I think you're spot on there as far as, you know, we're, we watch turn pretty closely and, yeah. you know, everybody's last in the last couple of years has spiked pretty high, right? Sure. Just, yeah. It was, it was sold before it even got on the book. So then you hit day one and it's invoiced and gone. Yeah. And we've definitely seen, not that it's changed much, but it's definitely slowing somewhat. And like, just like what you're talking about there, as far as then finding that, guy to take something to we i guess we kind of noticed that just as how farms are going as well with you know we still have a, a pretty wide range of age of farmers that are in that 60 to 70 range that aren't you know all the land's paid for so they're doing well sure. um and they're not ready to retire but they're far they've got the thousand acres that they're going to farm they're not changing any and then you got there's a gap in there where there's nobody really in between and then you go to six seven thousand acre guy and those guys are adding 500 to a thousand acres a year sure uh, and those are going to be your new buyers for, for the most part of uh, rolling equipment every year so that's i think that's part of it too is just the demographics of what we're dealing with in the age of a farmer and where they're at in their career and the acres that they're at of um like you said earlier about trying to get them out of their hands right now that that 2012 that i've got it's only two two thousand hours that one will last me the rest of my career i don't need to trade it right we really need it. So right. <laughs> we yeah. need you to trade it. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. When you're looking at, so the demographics thing is the next thing I was going to jump in on. Are you seeing anything right now in your, um, in your area that's saying, Hey, you know, we're seeing a little more retirement peak here, retirement self peak stuff coming in, or I, I, I can't say that I'm seeing any big, yeah. thing like that where I'm at, but it doesn't feel like it's slid up any when you start looking nationally at the different cells that are popping up. Yeah, correct. I think I think the only thing that maybe uh, changed some guys' mind that they were on the edge of retiring was seeing what equipment was bringing last year on retirement yep. auctions. You know, they're like, man, I'm on the edge. Of, maybe I have some health issues, and uh, I could I could quit. And then when they start seeing what their equipment was bringing at another sale, then I think that probably made the decision for some of them. But sure. as far as just guys deciding that, yeah, I'm I'm going to call it quits for just because don't see too much of that uh, we've had even several conversations just in the last few weeks with some guys and they brought it up themselves they're you know mid to upper 60s and don't really have any kids that are coming back to farm and they said yeah we've had several people ask us if we're ready to retire and they're like no i'm having the most fun i've ever had in my life i have no debt on the farm you know as far as my land's all paid for i have one tractor that i owe a little money on but i just keep that on the on the books because the interest rate's so low. Sure, yeah. Um so like, yeah, we're making money and we're having fun. We've had not had this much fun since we ever started farming. So that's that's keeping a lot of them, I think, in the game. I think it's more of maybe some health issues. And then like I said, seeing what land prices and uh, equipment prices have been bringing has maybe helped them make the decision to go ahead and get out. So but not widespread, like you said. Yep. So interest rates you brought up a point there that I think is on everybody's mind, but I have yep. not yet seen it make a a, a a divot yet into how people's buying decisions are coming around. I mean, we're talking yeah. anywhere. I mean, I've, I've seen some six and a half rates out there and I've seen some eight and a half rates out there. Yeah. When you're looking at those rates, no one seems to be not that, not that it doesn't come up in the conversation. Um, I, we've had a few guys step away and say, Hey, look, I'm not, I, I'm going to wait a little bit on this and see what happens. I just, I don't feel like jumping off of my two and a half percent rate. I've got now into a, you know, whatever. Yeah. Are you feeling something similar? Do you see something similar like that out there where there's some caution, but they're still buying? Yeah, I think, yeah, you know, you definitely, they're, they're aware that rates have went up, um, but there's two things going on there. I think that the guy that was the 
cash buyer from the, you know, the revenue they've generated the last couple of years of farming. Sure. Um, interest rates before, if you had a low rate, that would trigger them. But now you almost have to offer, you know, a waiver of some kind mm-hmm. um, just to get them to, if, if they are offering any financing. But for the roles, uh, those guys are definitely seeing it as far as, you know, looking at then payments and then price increases, that that definitely changes the ball game from one year to the next. And so we're definitely seeing it that more than anything of just the interest rate portion of that change in payments pretty dramatically along within price increase. So we've had to manage that through uh, a lot of our annual roles that we do. Yeah. So I've been waiting for this other shoe to drop on the, on, cause like you just talked about the, the payment structure that you're looking at, how yeah. you're structuring that to where, you know, you're looking at, you know, there's a million different ways to structure payments. So you go through all that, even though, especially in Nebraska where you're in a prop, uh, level two property tax state. Yeah. Um, amazing that they have levels of that, but sure. Nebraska's at the highest level you can possibly be at. <laughs> and so, so you're looking at that and you start looking at the conversation about leasing. Now, a few guys have talked about it and kind of kicked it around. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what that looks like and, and how, if maybe leasing comes back into play, It'll be nothing like it was in, in right, fall. yeah. But, but I, I'm curious to see if there's a, not a few guys out there that are looking at maybe some of these these yearly structures where maybe a lease starts coming back into play in a conversation. Anyone in your in your uh, organization started having those conversations with anybody yet, or have, are you starting to see some of that kind of come back into play? Yeah, not not yet, really. But I think, like you said, I think it's not too far off in the in the yeah. distant future as far as when you're. Um, because a lot of people now are that are especially the ones that are growing are looking more at your what's my dollar per acre cost and how do I keep that fixed or how do I keep a handle on that so I know what what revenue I'm going to generate and obviously leasing you know and I know in the last time we went through uh, kind of the leasing hotspot within we would add you know your power guard or sure. comp warranty on it so then they knew hey I don't have any breakdowns or I'm not going to pay any out of pocket over the next three years, here's my payment. I put fuel in it and put insurance on it and I know exactly what I'm getting. But, um, but as times have went on, that's kind of went away and interest rates obviously driven, driven that a lot. And then residuals, you know, being changed sure. uh, over time, yeah. uh, change that. Ball Shut game. the wild west down a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think we'll start seeing some more of that as time goes on, just as you're looking from a, from a payment standpoint. Sure. Uh, just especially with price increases that are in there and um and then the interest rate is, as well it'll i think the the payment will be more of a an issue coming forward absolutely i think that's going to be a, a a key whoever can figure out that exactly what you talk about the cost per hour cost per acre which i think the cost per hour conversations always going to be there but yeah i do believe that people are taking that cost per hour and then relate it back to the cost per acre i mean then down to the bushel trying to you figure bet. out what it is that they're doing and i think when you can figure that out uh and how to how to how to market that yeah i think you you can really do a lot of very creative things um we start breaking it down that way so yeah yeah and we've kind of had to start doing that you know with the x9 coming out of the price that 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 you know negates from what what you were used to if you went from a 780 all of a sudden now i want an x9 1100 uh there has to be some kind of roi there and i think then we break down the more the bushel of what i'm doing an hour and the cost that way it, it sometimes levels the playing field pretty closely to to what maybe you were running before yep yep all right let's talk about the auction market a little bit obviously the auction market is not 
it's retail price pretty much when you start looking yeah. around, it's out there um i've watched some tractor sales you know like the stuff that people are, are looking for some five six seven eight year old stuff sell for way more than i would have guessed that it would have brought yeah absolutely so when you're looking at the auction market in your area i mean you've got some you have some a, a quite a few um bigger auction companies that aren't that yep. far away from where you had to do some stuff yeah looking at that um that auction piece of the end of the industry what are you seeing there and, and how do you think that's influencing what your customers are doing well the one thing we've noticed you know in the last year is that as people watch you know the auction market pretty closely they start seeing what maybe the tractor they have sitting in the shed bring on a right. on an auction so instead yeah. of trading it and what we want to trade it at there we've seen quite a few then say well i'm just going to throw it on an auction see what happens so that that's hurt some of the trade cycle as well yeah. just because of uh, and and not blaming them one bit, but it's just okay. that, you know, it's like, then you have to have those conversations of saying, well, what it's bringing on a farm retirement sale is way more than probably what I'm going to be able to get on, on my, uh, on my lot. Cause there's a time right there. That's that you have to bid by noon and it's over with yep. work. It's in my lot for two weeks. Uh, so there's an end date there. And so that that's changed a little bit. I'm, I'm guessing that'll kind of ease as we move forward, but um, that's one big thing we've noticed with, with auctions is that more people are willing to take that gamble and put a, put a piece on there. And, and a lot of time, more times than not, they come out ahead yep. uh, than trading it. So. Yeah. When you, when you, I, I think in a lot of cases too, these guys, when they're looking at some of these things and they look at the 7% or 10%, um, what they're going to pay to get that stuff sold, that commission to the, to the sales guy or to the auction company. Yeah. Um, it's, up front, they might make more money, but I think after they do everything else and, and kind of wash everything out, we're really not that far off, you know. Probably not. Yeah, we're I would agree. Close, you know, we're pretty close to what to what they're going to be at, and you know, maybe plus or minus a percent or two. You know, it's not yeah. like it's uh, we're not off ten or fifteen percent. And I, I think when you uh, factor all those things in there, you you, you kind of see that happen. But I think the one thing that I've I think the one thing that I've been curious to kind of see continue is is what is the um, the auction quality stuff that we see? I don't really see the auctions out there anymore. Like we saw, you know, over the last year of the you know the the low hour, you know, nine R or the low hour eight R something like that going to these. I'm really not seeing that anymore as, no. as on the regular basis that I saw. I'm still seeing it, but not like the regular basis I saw before. You seen something similar to that too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. You know, it used to be look on certain auction companies' websites and see what auctions were coming up, and it was just like, "Holy, where did all this stuff come this from?" from? Yeah. yeah, where'd you guys get this from? So, but then looking through now to you know here recently, yeah, I would agree. You don't see there's a few in there that pop up that are be that'll be fun and interesting to watch, but not nearly as as many as there was uh, in in the previous twelve months, like you said. Yep. yep. Yeah. Technology, I think, is one of those things that we are going to uh, obviously see more and more of as as yeah. we continue to go on, and we're starting to see a lot of that play into fact now. Here, when you're looking at uh, the user equipment coming across the line, how many people do you have right now that are saying, like, you know, hey, I want, I want this specific piece of technology that you you can only get when it's new, and and then how are yep. how are upgrade kits playing into what you see happening in your area? Yeah, I'd say, you know, in the last 24 months, a lot of those, 
um, people that were maybe on that smaller end as far as a uh, number of acres farmed that were kind of on the edge of saying, man, I really would like the exact emerge or IRHD technology. I just don't think I can justify it for the number of acres that I'm that I'm farming now as uh, the income they were able to generate in the years that we've had um, and those just the time that those have had on the market now. Most of the people they're gonna that we've seen, especially from a planner standpoint, if they're gonna upgrade, they're going, man, um, if I'm gonna upgrade, I'm gonna upgrade to that type of uh, that sure. type of technology. And we've seen a lot of that. Even um, you know, I can think of a a buddy of mine that farms a couple thousand acres, and he went from a 1770 to a DB60 exact emerge right. uh, that was about you know seven or eight years old. But he's like, I can see the return on investment on it. Uh, and if I'm going to invest money in something and, and change something up in my operation where I'm going to buy equipment, that I'm going to make that move. And that's yeah. what he did. So, and we're seeing quite a bit of that and um, that when they do make the move, then it's, it's technology related. Yep. And I'd say one thing on the upgrade kit that I've noticed a lot on this, on this, especially when it comes to planners is that, you know, you can take a, uh, you go out and do you price out a new machine and, let's just say it's 450,000 bucks, which that's a, that's a brand new 24 row planner in most right. cases. And then you go back and look at what that same, that same machine costs in, in uh, 2012. Well, yeah, it's about half price, right? So, right. so now yeah. when you start looking at the upgrade kit side of that is you can get the brand new planner for a quote unquote 2012 yeah. price. Now, I can already hear the arguments. People are, <laughs> well, yeah, but I got the cost of what I got in the 2012 to start with who? It's still yeah. less. It's still less. <laughs> yeah, it's still less. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to get the latest and greatest stuff. And I think, yeah, it kind of feels like to me that is the traction. That traction is really starting to gain. And I think so too. I had a conversation yep. with a customer the other day, and I was like, you know, hey, realistically, when it comes to buying planners, if you're looking at buying a new one or doing an upgrade kit, unless your bar's jacked up, right? The upgrade kits is kind of a no brainer. Yeah, you're yeah. getting a new planner, basically. Getting a new yeah. planner. Yeah, you're getting yeah. everything. Yeah, you know, so you look at like what deer what deer has to offer, and you start looking at like what you know precision has to offer on their side. Yeah, precision planning those kind of things has to offer on their side. Um, you're starting to see that that spectrum now of what what does a what's a new planner even look like anymore? You know what I mean? That, yeah, absolutely. That conversation you're having, and the same thing on on sprayers. You're starting to see a, a similar kind of movement on there uh, when you start looking at exact apply upgrade kits and seeing spray upgrade kits and all these different things that you have coming out down the line there too, that yep. sooner or later, a power unit's a power unit. <laughs> you're really more concerned about what you're hooking to the power unit, what the power yeah. you upgraded to. And I think that seems like it's gaining more traction every day. I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like part of that too, is that we have a lot more confidence in the manufacturer on the, sure. on the upgrade yeah. kits, you know, the first, first couple, three years, there were some hiccups and, um, part of that was suppliers. And part of it was, we didn't know what we were doing either and trying to retrofit a bar and ours that said to take 40 hours and it took us four months, you know, or whatever the case was, but, but, and, uh, no, no fault to anybody. It's just, yeah, it was just a learning curve, but I feel like that learning curve is kind of flattened out now to where people are more confident in that, uh, upgrade portion of it and shops are more confident in, in, in installing them. So, I think there's just a lot of experience that's been uh, had over the last few years to to make those a more viable option than what they were right out of the get go. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how like the uh, the old the old tillage setup crews that go around and set up. Tillage, yeah, if that if that evolves into you know get right. installation crews or whatever you know that'd be yeah 
what that looks like in the future. So when you're looking at uh, last thing here, so when you're looking at some of these, um, some of the custom cutter machines, cause I'm, we're getting ready to head in that, that time of the year, we're about two months away from the, the you know, wheat run starting down South yeah. and, and moving through there. What's that market look like for you? And, and how are, I guess, how has that evolved over the last couple of years for you? Yeah. So it was kind of interesting. I mean, when we uh, acquired the stores in Northwest Iowa, we weren't a, a, a chopper dealer before that, but they were. And so we, we acquired that uh, contract as well. And so it's been a little bit of a learning curve for us. We feel like we're starting to get our feet under us now. And we'd actually just recently hired a, a guy that's just focusing on um, chopper sales. He's come from the industry, knows a chopper, loves choppers, uh, almost perfect guy, you know, where the rest of us were just like, man, I don't know a lot about those things. Just right. I know they're, they're hard to trade for. Um, so yeah, no, the, uh, Probably the biggest thing, it's almost like the combines for us that we watch, you know, is the large choppers because it's hard to find the the next buyer for them because it's, you know, you don't just decide I'm going to trade my 7450 in for a 9900 and be right. done with it because, you know, right. then I've got, I need to add another silage packing tractor, two more trucks, three guys and and all that. So it's, uh, it's figuring all that on the backside and then how do you make that to viable for the next guy and where do you find those next guys that would be looking for Right. Uh, that type of machine on the on the used side. So I feel like we're starting to get work through that. We're probably more excited about that business than we have been in, in the past, honestly, just sure. because of having somebody now in place that knows the business, knows the equipment, uh, and is going to be focused on it uh, uh, 24-7. So. That's the one thing about choppers that combines aren't. I mean, you have to keep trucks on a chopper, right? Right. At least on a on a combine, you've got some time to fill up your two or three or four hundred bushel bin yeah. before you before you you know you're you need to stop. And I think yeah, the one thing about the chopper side of the thing is that it, the the logistics that come along with that. And if you've not been around that, it, it, it's it's, you know, it's eye opening. It's, it's like it's like me trying to tell some kid that's you know married couple about what it's like to have kids. You don't really know what it's like. To have <laughs> right? Kids, yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. I you don't know what you're getting into, too, but you don't you don't really know what that feels like to you to that. And I think if you haven't been around the chopper business um, and really seen it operate, it is it's it's a next level thing when you start looking at logistics. And I think that's a a big eye opener for anybody that's been in that business. Yeah, when you get into it, it uh, you definitely consider if you made some of the right life choices or not. It is a it, it's such a short window too, you know. Depending on the weather uh, here in the last year, I mean, uh, uh, when a drought sets in or anything like that, man, it's just such a short window that they have to get that harvested in the quality that they want. So it's it's yeah, it's all hands on deck when when they're ready to roll and. Uh, I feel like that's we've gotten that probably in place now, but it's it, it's a little bit of a learning curve of sure. knowing what that takes to support that type of industry. Yep, absolutely, for sure, for sure. All right, Matt. This last thing here, when you're looking at overall 23, what are you uh, most concerned about, and what are you most optimistic about? You know, I, yeah, I'd say we what I'm most concerned about. I think we probably talked about is just the late model combines that they're not necessarily maybe our own inventory or like you talked about you aren't you know your own inventory as well but it's when uh if people to start decide to start pulling certain levers you know if it's deducting pricing or um offering a zero percent for six years or something like that or then taking to auction and then people start seeing what the auction values are on those that's uh, that's when it changes the game at the dealership level um so definitely 
opt or cautious about that moving forward of watching uh, auctions and things like that coming up. I know there's already a couple that are they're going to have some on there, so going to be curious to see what those bring, and then uh, be watching that moving forward if we need to be moving aggressively before that, which is kind of our plan right now, to be honest with you. And then uh, optimistic, uh, you know, optimistic probably about the um, 2023 is going to shape up uh, just with uh, what we already have sold, what we know we have coming in later in the year um, that's sold. Um, feel like we're going to have a, a very strong 2023, um, and just hoping the. Uh, we're kind of due, honestly, for a good weather year. We've kind of had extremes, you know, for it seems like a few years. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, Mister Hackett's right on is that we're going to have some uh, rain here in the in the spring, get off to a good start, and and carry through uh, uh, throughout the season. So yeah, um, yeah, just optimistic overall. I'd say about the ag industry. I mean, with where we're at and um, used levels, I think are pretty healthy throughout most the most organization so i don't see think you're going to see a flood of equipment you know hit the auction market or uh or people dumping equipment uh, anytime yeah. soon which always helps yeah. at the retail level so um yeah. just a fun time to be an ag i would say sure. no i think you're right and i think the one thing going for us on the equipment side of the business is that we are uh um we're going into this with not a full cupboard, you know what I mean? We still have yeah, some, to get some, to get some stuff in there. And, and yeah. uh, before we start turning that now, pay attention to the dollars and what that looks like and those kind of things. But at yep. the end of the day, when you start looking at overall machine volume, um, correct. We don't have that. We don't, we're not selling into, you know, 11 billion combines, used combines sitting in the marketplace and a bunch yeah. of tractors and everything else we've got. We've got a lot of holes in a lot of places that we need to get filled up. We, you know, we still got people looking for stuff, you know. We, yeah. We yeah wait. You, know, you look you look back and I think uh, even though supply chains were a heck of an issue and a major yeah. pain for everybody, it was probably a blessing in disguise mm-hmm. with the way the ag economy was going at that time. Otherwise, we probably would have had a repeat of 12 and 13 when oh, sure. the economy was so high and equipment was readily available. We just ordered, ordered, ordered and uh, not being able to do that was probably – probably a blessing and will help us longer term than just a yeah. short term blip there. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, allocation if that, right. if that becomes an every everyday uh, vernacular uh out there. Yeah, no doubt. Watch we'll see what happens there. So no doubt. Well Matt, I think it's a good place to stop, man. I appreciate you Sounds being on the good. podcast. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over at AgriVision. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, probably myself. Five one five two one zero five six seven three and appreciate you having me on casey i appreciate you every time you've been on here matt's uh what have you been on here three or four times now yeah yeah probably something like that keep going back to the well baby <laughs> <laughs> sounds good man right on i'm casey yeah. seymour with moving iron podcast check me out on facebook twitter and instagram at moving iron llc go to linkedin and moving iron podcast and check out the video version of this over there on the youtube channel moving iron podcast youtube channel go to moving iron llc for everything moving iron related and check out the uh you sign up for the Moving Iron Pot Summit in Nashville, Tennessee, 11 through 13. Matt, you've been to those. Yeah. You're, you recommend going to that? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't think I've missed a one. Um, other than the one that we didn't have in COVID, right? So, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, otherwise, been to every one of them. It's definitely uh, not only the information you get there from the presenters, but just the networking is 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 second to none of the people you can meet and just create new networking uh, uh, through the people there. So, yeah, I absolutely encourage you to attend if you haven't. 
Yeah. So check that out, man. I really, really appreciate that, Matt. And check that out. So if you want more information about that, go to movingironllc.com, click on the upper right-hand corner. It says Moving Iron Summit and you get all the information there. Or you can send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Matt Rash. Let's move some iron, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher